belly and the fish. Belly, belly and the fish. Welcome, friends, to Belly and the Fish. I'm your host, Corbin, and here we got Ben, Belly Smokes Hunter. What's up, Benny? Oh, you know, just another Monday out here there, Corb. All right. Good to hear you're doing well, friend. And we've got a special guest on with us today. He is a staunch Lions fan, a big supporter of the squad, our good friend, John Charette. How you doing, John? The mud ball! Well, that's the sound of a Lions loss right there. <laughs> But I'm doing okay. You know, it's Monday. It is my day off right now. So uh, not as tired as Ben, but feeling good, ready to go. Yeah, I'm glad to see you have the props ready. We're hoping to have John on as a recurring guest coming up here, but hoping to turn this twosome into a threesome and glad we can kick it off with you. Yeah, I am glad to be here. Let's uh, let's get right into it, huh? Yeah, it's yeah, a good threesome. Nice muscle tea, Ben. It's a fucking reversible no, jersey from Rec League basketball. <laughs> Ain't nothing but flab to show off over here. Oh, speaking of flab, we've missed it, but the player I'm compared to this week went up and wait. We're going with Matt Gay, kicker out of the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, he is two inches taller, but I like to think we look the same on the screen. Rolls, baby, rolls. Well, what's he clocking in at weight-wise? 232. That's where we're at. Went a little bit up, but I got a nice three-mile run in today. We'll see if it drops down come tomorrow morning when I uh, sweat in my sleep per usual, waking up in puddles. Yeah, I think we're going to have to move this to like a monthly check-in just because depending on your bowel movements, it might fluctuate from one, two pounds at a time. Listen, man, I had some Jersey Mike's yesterday, and that was the issue. Plug of the week, Jersey Mike's. Extra mayo, get after it. So it was the Jersey Mike's and not the 14 Millers you told me you had on Friday? Oh, yes. We forgot about the 14 Millers on boat day on Friday. So uh, I will say with a combo, but if we're only up two pounds, that's amazing. Nope, oh. John knows his football. We've been uh, in a couple of fantasy leagues together. He's proven his worth. And it's always great to have somebody else to just gang up on Ben. You know, it is good to expose a fake Lions fan, so. Good luck. <laughs> yep. <laughs> You're getting on the bandwagon. Maybe not after this game, but at some point we'll get you on the train. You know, the needle moves towards you and then the needle moves away. That's all that happens with Lions football. <laughs> yep. Yep. It was no good. We'll jump right into it. We had the old Saxon scrum this week. Lions went to Minnesota to take on the NFC North rivals, the Vikings. Lion opened up at minus seven and a half. And after the Eagles Vikings game, it got down to five and a half lions dogs. Once again, in our rightful place, history against the Vikings has been shaky. The past few years, last year, we split with the Vikings Vikings won in the first meeting on a last second field goal. It was a heartbreaker. One of the closer games that we had last year, but we did get our revenge. Lions came back in the second matchup on a Amon Ross St. Brown touchdown and the very last second to win it is a beautiful thing. I wish I could say for the 2022 season that we would have their number, but it's not looking so good to start. The Vikings beat the Lions 28 to 24 in some fourth quarter heroics. And would you look at that? If you would have slammed a Vikings money line, Lions spread, you would have came out like a bandit. Man, the belly bundle does not. <laughs> It did not disappoint this week. Nope. The old been... the belly bundle. I like that name. <laughs> Are you three and oh on the belly bundle? Uh, it two? It's two at I'm, least. I know it's two, but I think the first week uh, 
or no, the commies one didn't work out. The first two weeks did. Let's get into it. We'll talk about some individual performances here, starting with the man with his hand up the ass of the center. (laughs) Jared Goff, our commander in chief, and damn, was he looking good. Box score doesn't really show it, but he had a damn good game, all things considered. I've seen steady improvement over him the past three weeks. Eagles game, meh. Tommy's looking good, but I really think he had his best game of the season so far. Like I said, box score doesn't really show it. He was 25 for 41 passing with 277 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. I don't really count that interception because it was out of desperation on the last drive with just 20-some seconds left, just kind of heaving one up, throwing up a prayer, hoping somebody would come down with it. But I thought we had a lot of improvement on third and fourth down. Now, granted, we were at three and 16 on fourth down, but that was just kind of the game plan after we missed that first kick. Uh, we decided that we were going into four down territory. So, you know, those third downs weren't as important when we kind of knew we had that fourth down to get the extra yardage, put us over the top and move the chains. I thought Goff had great pocket presence for once. He usually is just stiff as a board back there. And he was actually making moves. He wasn't rattled by the pressure. He was moving around in the pocket, making guys miss. And he didn't have a sack the entire game. You'd say normally as stiff as a board, but yesterday he was light as a feather. Yes, he was. Now, part of that is credit to the offensive line, but you actually saw him booting out left and right and making throws downfield. So it was really good to see him starting to grow and make some improvements. He hit Amon Ra St. Brown in the first quarter on third down for that 30-yard strike that he dove over. A little bit of some gymnastics coming out there, trying to get into the end zone, but that was a great strike by Goff. And then again, there was another third down in the fourth quarter where he looked off the safety, misdirected him, and then just hit Amon Ross St. Brown and stride right down the middle. So those were some big plays. He came up clutch on third and fourth down again, kind of part of the game script for him, for the offense to go three for 16 on third down. But I like what I saw out of him. And if he keeps making moves like that, he's going to be just fine. Yeah, he's looking pretty good. I like what I'm seeing out of him. I feel like uh, they're leaning more into that play-action game with him, and that's really what he was best at with the Rams. Going downfield, if he can avoid overthrowing, which he has a tendency to do, but he looked pretty good yesterday on that. Yeah, he also had Todd Gurley when he was on the Rams, though. It's a little different story, bud. <laughs> hey, they're both Georgia products. Huh? <laughs> Bulldog. <laughs> Moving on, we'll talk running backs here. We got DeAndre Swift clearly limited by injury. First, it was the ankle, and then he had the shoulder sprain. That was news today. Only had a couple of touches. It was really the Jamal Williams show yesterday. I thought Jamal looked really good, but he just he's not a DeAndre Swift. He doesn't have that big play potential. I mean, I I love him pounding between the tackles. I mean, he can chip away, and he was averaging four-something yards a carry, so he's good for that. But, you know, you're not going to turn those 10-yard gains into 20-yard gains and, you know, those explosive plays that we've seen out of Swift. So, in my opinion, I think we just really got to rest this guy for at least a week, if not two weeks. You know, we've got two weeks left before our bye, and I'd rather have a DeAndre Swift at 100% as opposed to the 50% that we've had him. We need Eagles version DeAndre Swift. And if we got a roll with Jamal Williams and Craig Reynolds and uh, Justin Jackson, then so be it. But we got to get this guy healthy. He's a game changer, and we need him for the rest of the season. But let's talk about the booty quake. 
Jamal Williams, hips don't lie. The Hingle McCringleberry. <laughs> that penalty was bullshit. You know, yeah, I, he he put in more pumps than I do on the average night, so I gotta give him props for that. <laughs> I saw a clip uh, from a couple years ago, him doing the exact same thing on the Packers, and what do you know? He did not get flagged, which is another yeah. case of severe Lions bias by these. Yep, it's a Lions <laughs> bias. It's real. You guys are delusional. <laughs> yeah, penalties were definitely flying a lot more this game. I mean. I don't have the exact numbers or anything, and we'll talk about Amani Awari and his penalties, but I just felt like a lot more penalties were going against us, and we didn't see that the first two games. So that's just kind of how this referee crew was calling it. You got to adapt. You got to do your research on who's calling what. We'll get into wide receivers a little bit. The biggest news was Amon Ra St. Brown losing that streak of the eight-plus catches, mostly due to his ankle injury. You really hate to see it. You knew it wasn't going to last forever but it hurt not having him at a hundred percent. We needed him in that game. It showed through Josh Reynolds. I thought he had a great game, all things considered. And Chark, he's just a red zone, deep threat kind of guy. It could be either Reynolds or Chark could be the wide receiver too on any given Sunday. And with Amon Ross St. Brown hurt. I mean, that just hurt our chances. I really hope that we're going to have him back for the Seahawks next week at full health. Yeah. The Seahawks just haven't been looking good. So Going to need the team to uh, just absolutely throttle them to uh, have any sort of needle move on my part. It'll be hard uh, to throttle them with Swift hobbled and or Swift out and Amon Ra hobbled, but we'll see what we can do. Josh Reynolds did look good, and I, I do see him looking quite spider-like out there, as Dan Campbell put him. He was a spider of death. and he was Serpent of death. Serpent nope. of fucking death. I got the quote pulled up here, Corbin. Well, Hard Knocks, he called him the serpent of fucking death. Starting to think Dan Campbell's just putting animal names in front of of death. And he's just going with them when everyone feels good that day. But he's slippery. He's the praying mantis, the spider of death, freaking serpent. He's the hamster of death. (laughs) All right. I didn't see that one. I guess he's got a couple of nicknames for him. So be it. Whatever. Well, tight ends. I wish I had better things to say about this group, but Hawkinson's the one guy that you're always looking at, and he fucking sucked again. Pretty much dropped an egg. I don't even care about the touchdown. There's other key takeaways, too, especially with Amon Ra St. Brown hobbled with that ankle injury. You need him to step up. I said it a couple of weeks ago that Amon Ra St. Brown is kind of filling that role of that, you know, trusted pass catcher, the guy who's going to move the chains for you. But there was one series where he, I think it was in the second quarter, but it was a third down and he was short of the sticks. It was like a seven yard catch. So after we completed the seven yard strike, it was still a fourth and one. We go back to Hawkinson and he was still short of the sticks, but he dropped it overall. So it wouldn't even have mattered. So I don't know what he's doing, but he has to get his head out of his ass. I mean, he's not acting like he's playing for a new contract we really need him to be the old reliable tight end that you see in the NFL. Like he was supposed to be that guy when we took him in the first round and it's just pissing me off these past couple of weeks. I'm really starting to sour on him a lot. Yeah. He just created no separation on that fourth down play and didn't even get past the marker he would have needed to. And uh, the defender was all over him, even if he had caught that. So that, that play uh, in particular upset me as well. Yep, didn't see what you wanted to see out of him. And you guys just don't care about the tutty? No. 
I mean, it was like a five yard completion in the red zone. I mean, yeah, that's great for fantasy, but I mean, that could have been anybody. What we really need him to do is move the sticks. And when we really needed somebody to come down with a catch and make a play on a third down, that's his role. Yes. Like you want a guy in the red zone who can pull down tutties for you, but I don't know. My expectations are higher for him. I mean, he's looking to get paid elite money. And so I'm treating him like he's an elite tight end and that's how I'm going to judge him. And he's not making plays like Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. He's just kind of in that tier two and that's where he's, and he's kind of falling behind now. So, I mean, he's got a lot of work to do. It's a long season. I'm sure he's going to turn it around, but the drops and just like these boneheaded mistakes being short of the sticks on a fourth down, you got to clean it up. The gap between one of those top tight ends and like all the other guys, though, it's it's huge. Like fantasy wise, like tight tight end five and through thirteen are separated by probably a couple points, and the top guys are just way ahead. And I just don't think Hawkinson's ever going to be that guy. Yeah, I'm starting to have my doubts too. I had hopes, you know, like Kyle Pitts. He was one of the guys that comes to mind too. But you want him to kind of be neck and neck with him for years to come, and. I'm really starting to have my doubts. I hope he turns it around for the Lions' sake, but based on that performance in the past few weeks, stonks are down on Hawkinson for me. Stonks. Moving on to the defense, we'll get into the D-line a little bit. It's been kind of a mixed bag. Last week, obviously, we had Aiden Hutchinson's breakout game. Charles Harris had a great game as well, but we didn't get any pressure on Cousins. There was one sack on the entire day that came from Alex Anzalone on a delayed blitz but we couldn't stop the run either. And a lot of that, to, a lot of that is part of Aiden Hutchinson and Charles Harris. But I think Aleem McNeil, he's had some good games and kind of snuck by, but he hasn't really been that playmaker. And you have those guys in the interior to kind of stuff the middle and let the linebackers come and clean things up. But you want to see him shed some of these blocks and make some plays, make some tackles for loss. And I didn't really see that. And the Lions really respect him as a pass rusher too. And you haven't really seen that impact the game too much. And if he is eating up all these blocks, then why are Aiden Hutchinson and Charles Harris not getting free? I said it before. This was one of the keys to the game was pressuring Kirk Cousins to make him make some stupid mistakes. And we just never did that. Kirk Cousins had a clean pocket all game long for the most part. Only a couple of hurries on the day. So he could pretty much just pick us apart. And then the run defense was not any better. I mean, before Dalvin Cook went down, he went over for 90 yards in three quarters. We had no answer for him. We were just getting moved in the trenches. I thought Aiden was pretty quiet, only two pressures. He missed an easy tackle for loss around the right side. That did end up getting cleaned up by some help, some rallying support. And Michael Brockers, he got my burning bag of dog shit last week he's not looking good. You want him to be that veteran presence and to make some plays and show these young guys how to do it. But he is losing time to Isaiah Bugs, and that's just unacceptable. You need him to produce. That's why we brought him in. That's why we're paying him so much money. And that contract, moving that $2 million off to next year, it's going to be tough to cut bait with him without some dead cap. So I don't like that at all. Double down on the poo for Brockers. Yep. Moving on, linebackers, real quick, Alex Anzalone, I talked about how he had the sack. That was nice. He led the team in tackles as well with 10, but I saw him miss a lot of tackles too. There was one play that comes to mind. I think it was a third down. It's C.J. Ham, the Vikings fullback, and he just juked him out of his shoes. And that went for a first down. That's a big play. Like, you can't be getting juked by C.J. Ham. If it's Dalvin Cook, you know, yeah, he's going to win a couple of reps. But C.J. Ham. You got to go and hit the guy. Take him on. You should have never even heard out. of CJ Ham. Exactly. 
is probably his only carry of the day. Malcolm was looking good. He finished with eight tackles. He just keeps trending up. Needle is moving to the right. I'm pretty excited to see him for the rest of the season. Um, the one play that stood out to me was Dalvin Cook's fumble. He was the guy who was taken on the lineman, and he kind of stymied that lineman, stopped him right in the hole. Dalvin Cook bumps into him, and that was a fumble. So I'd say that's a little bit more on Dalvin Cook for the butt fumble. That was embarrassing, but Malcolm was right there filling the hole and forcing that lineman back into his lane. Now, the real guy that I really want to talk about here is Tracy Walker. Our captain, oh, captain, oh, captain. He's going to miss the rest of the season with an Achilles injury, and I don't know how we are getting so unlucky with these damn Achilles injuries. Romeo Aquara, then we get Okuda, and now Tracy Walker. Big pieces of our defense, all Achilles. What is going on? There's something in the turf over a Ford field, I think. It's just like the Ravens of last year all over again. Well, we were in Minnesota, so I, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. it's just turf as a whole. We need to go back to some re- regular grass, you know? Yep. I mean, it was a non-contact injury. He was in on the tackle, but you didn't really see it. And those are the, just the scariest ones of all. He was walking off under his own power, and so there was hope. But then Campbell kind of affirmed that it could be an Achilles after the game. And then this morning, boom, he's out for the whole season. After the birth of his second child, too, it's just really unfortunate. I thought he was going to have one of those newborn baby games and have a big one, a couple picks, maybe bring one back to the house. But, nope, he was out early. Juju Hughes filled in. He gave up that game winner to K.J. Osborne. How did you say it? Osborne? Osborne. You know his name now, don't you? No, no, I don't. I refuse to acknowledge. Yep, it was a little bit of a miscommunication there, but that was his guy when it comes down to it. He was good in run support, but you got to think that Tracy Walker, if he was out there, I don't think he would give up that play. So it's going to be a tough blow. I don't know what we're going to do to replace him. Probably Juju Hughes. I know that Brad Holmes really wants to develop some of these younger guys. The only safeties we really have who could replace him are a Fatu Melifonwu, second-year player, converted from cornerback, so this is his first year playing safety. And then Kirby Joseph, our third-round pick out of Illinois, who's just very raw, and he's more of a special teams guy. The plan was to kind of just let him sit back and learn and develop this year until he's ready. So I think Juju Hughes is going to get the nod, but one guy that I saw that does pique my interest a little bit is Tony Jefferson. He played for the Cardinals a few years, the Ravens most recently. Right now he's on the Giants practice squad. He's only 30 years old. He used to play with the Sean Elliott in Baltimore. So he's a savvy vet, and I think it wouldn't hurt to just bring him in for a tryout. I don't know what the rules are with trying out practice squad players, but I think that he could be a solid addition. It wouldn't hurt to at least have somebody because we have such raw players that we're going to ask to come in and fill those shoes and yeah the secondary was already looking pretty rough outside of Akuda and walker and with walker out it's uh it's gonna be pretty scary here we were already like 30th in defensive rankings coming into yesterday so uh i'm i'm hoping that they can find maybe someone out on the market because i don't think they have the answer currently on the 53-man roster Yeah, but that's my problem is I don't think that they're going to go out and get a free agent or pick somebody off the practice squad. I think that they're just going to let these guys develop because we've got to remember we're not competing this year. We want to bring our young guys up and develop them into starters for someday. 
So Melifonwu or Kirby Joseph could be the the safety of the future, but I think Juju Hughes is the easiest plug and play for right now. We'll see what they do. It's probably Juju Hughes. I doubt they bring somebody else in. I mean, if they get someone for cheap, they might, but who knows? We'll get to the a little bit more positive note here. Jeff Okuda shut Justin Jefferson the fuck down. You didn't hear his name called all damn day, which is a good thing. He had a great pass breakup on Justin Jefferson. He was only three for 14 on the day. Okuda only allowed two of those catches. I mean, the guy is looking like a stud. He's looking really, really good for through these first three games. And I am excited for the rest of this season. If he can keep piecing it together, he could bloom into an elite cornerback. That's what we drafted him for third overall when we did. That's what he needs to be. And I mean, he's fitting the bill so far. He's doing everything he absolutely should through three games. He's will let up what a total of like 70 yards over three games. That's nothing. Yep. He shut down Devonte Smith. He had a really good game against Terry McLaurin too. Don't have the stats in front of me, but it was only like 50 yards given up, maybe even less than that. And then he takes on Justin Jefferson, arguably the best receiver in the league right now. Granted, he did have some safety help over the top. I'll admit that, but a lot of it was just him. <laughs> And he's going to face him again this year and many more times in the future. So that's going to be a matchup to keep an eye on. I think that, you know, next time, let's see how he handles just one-on-one. Let's see if he can shadow him and do what Darius Slay did. Let's take the training wheels off and see what this bad boy can do. We'll get a little bit more negative on this next guy. Amani Awarier. Oh, I saw in the news that he had five pass interference calls but i counted six i started counting at two and i was like man he is just getting beat i'm gonna start tallying these up and i counted six pis okuda had one and a warrior had one ultimately it was credited to a warrior for a, a defensive holding he was second on the team with for tackles but i saw a lot of times where he was just avoiding contact missing tackles one example is on the madison touchdown after dalvin cook went down it was embarrassing. He just didn't stick his nose in there, and Madison just walked right into the end zone. And then I think in the first quarter, there was another play where Cook was running out to the right side, and it looked like he just didn't even want to – he didn't want to get involved at all. He didn't want to stick his nose in there, make the play, stop him for a somewhat respectable gain. He just let him go for another 10, 15 yards and let somebody else clean it up. I'll get into Hamani a little bit more. I think just based on what I've said, you can kind of – fill in the blanks on who my burning bag is going to be going to. That was a terrible performance. He has not fit the bill of CB1 like he did last year. So we covered all the position groups for the most part. This is a new addition, but I think it needs to be said. Let's talk about the coaching staff and some of their decisions, specifically the field goal at the end of the game. It's all over the news. It's the talk around town. What was the right decision here? If you missed it, it was fourth and four at the Vikings 38-yard line, a minute, 10 seconds left to go, no Vikings timeouts. So I paused this game when it happened because I knew the magnitude of the situation we were in, and I just kind of compared it to that Broncos-Seahawks game where Nathaniel Hackett made the wrong call. And now I see Dan Campbell catching a lot of flack over this decision. But let me just go over the four realistic options here because some people just said we would have been better off punting, and that is fucking bullshit. Why are you going to punt? I would have been pissed if we saw him punt. That's the one option between going for it, kicking a field goal, and punting. That's the only option that would not have gotten us any points no matter what. 
So let's just break down some of these options. Obviously, the best option, go for it and convert. Would have been game over, no timeouts left. We take a knee and we get the win in Minnesota. Easier said than done. First, you got to convert it. So let's say we go for it and we don't convert. It's a turnover on downs on the 38-yard line. They have good field position. And now at this point, they just need the field goal, pretty much the exact same situation or a touchdown to win it. So field goal to tie a touchdown to win it. I thought that our offense kind of stalled in the fourth quarter. We were going three and out. We had one 10 play drive, but for the most part, our offense didn't really respond in the fourth quarter. And so our offense wasn't trending in the right direction. Amon Ross St. Brown is hurt. Hawkinson sucks. Chark isn't necessarily the guy who's getting you first downs. He's more the deep threat. So realistically, our best options were Josh Reynolds and Jamal Williams. Now, Amon Ross St. Brown, he was still playing, but for the most part, he was a decoy. He did still have some some catches, but we, I didn't really like our options on that fourth down. And then the other option would have been to kick the field goal and make it. Now we're up six, and we can kick off for better field position, probably pin him on the 20. So now they got to go 80 yards, and a touchdown is the only thing that will get you a win. If you miss a field goal, you tie. So I think that would have limited the Vikings' playbook. Dan Campbell's timeout wouldn't have even mattered. They would have just spiked it with 30 to 40 seconds left. And it would have been more than enough time to take three shots downfield into the end zone and kick a field goal to tie. But as you all know, we decided to kick the field goal. Now, if I told you that a kicker pushes the ball to the right, then everyone just loses their minds. It's chaos. Well, Corbin, some men just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> Yep. Well, Dan Campbell admitted to it. He said that it was a mistake and he should have just gone for it. It's what he was doing all game. We were doing pretty well on fourth down. We were four for six on fourth. And, you know, everyone's capped in hindsight. They all think they're the best coach in the world sitting on their damn couches. And ever, nobody can understand why Dan Campbell called that timeout. But the thing is, they would have just came down and spiked the ball with 30 to 40 seconds left, which would have been more than enough time for the Vikings to take at least three shots into the end zone or just kick a field goal if they can't convert on three. And that's a tie ball game. We're going into overtime. And the way that the game was trending, I didn't like our chances. Like I said, the fourth quarter, the Lions were kind of losing steam on offense. We had one 10 play drive. But I don't know how it would have gone in overtime. Sure, it's like a 50-50 toss-up. Maybe we could have won the coin toss and just drove down and put the stake in their heart right there. Everyone's freaking out saying Dan Campbell doesn't know how to coach, doesn't know how to make these calls, these big decisions at the end of the game, and I just don't see that. I mean, if, if you think about if we would have made that field goal, we'd be up six. I think that the Vikings game script would have been a lot different just knowing they had to get a touchdown and it probably would have been a different result. So take it easy on Dan. He's not used to being ahead at the end of games. He's not used to having a winning team. He's got to work the kinks out and we haven't been in the position to win these games in the past. So I'm not really knocking him for it. You know, we should have converted on the first and second and third down when Frank Ragnar was talking to the media today, he even admitted to they shouldn't have been in that position. There's a lot of blame that can be spread around. And I think that people are a little irrational. Once we lose a game like that, the way we did, you try and point the finger somewhere and that's always going to be the head coach. I mean, that's just the way the NFL goes, but I just don't think it's fair. So I'm standing on this podium alone. Dan Campbell is not to blame for that. 
Lions fans being irrational after a loss? No way, dude. No way. That never happens. You got the fever after you won one game, and then now it turns into this whole thing where the Lions are the best team in the world. I see it every year. But the whole thing is, Lions fans, it was a good game. You got some exciting Lions football where before we were just getting our shit pushed in left and right. So, all in all, I don't think it was that bad of a game. Yeah, they did blow it, but I'm going to stand by what I said. You want that high draft pick, man. Well, to me, it's less about the the situational decision-making there and more about trying to put the game on the foot of Austin Siebert from 54 yards, who has never made a field goal from further than 53 yards. That one yard really got to you, huh? You know, I, I I wouldn't necessarily put someone up for their career long to to keep a game alive. If you had Matt Prater on the team, I think I'd be feeling a little bit different about the decision. But I think when you went for damn near every fourth down the whole game, and then you stop what got you there, and uh, you just took your foot off the gas, and uh, that's pretty much exactly what Dan Campbell said. I agree. He, I mean, he'd been going for it on fourth down all game after that first kick. So it didn't make any sense. Like, why do you pick the most important play of the entire game to go away from that? Right. It didn't and make any sense. But. He had missed from 48 earlier in that game as well. So he was not on his game and uh, that was not what I would have done, but I'm not a head coach. So. Yep. Austin Siebert needs to be burned at the stake. That's the, key <laughs> take That's the consensus. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Yep, but just to recap, I don't think that we need to panic. I had this game circled as a loss. Vikings are a solid football team. You saw the Eagles game and thought that we could squeak one out, and I did have hope, and we sh- we were the better team. We should have won that game, but I don't think that we need to overreact to Dan Campbell's call on that fourth down, kicking the field goal, and certainly can't say that he can't be trusted making decisions like that. Our offense looked really good. Goff stonks just keep on going up, baby. We had one turnover at the end on the interception, but this would have been our second game in a row without any turnovers. If Goff wasn't just trying to make something happen, we would have been clean. Problem on the offense is we need to limit these three and outs. I think we only had one this game, but there was a lot of a lot of four or five play drives, and that's going to help the defense too if we can just keep the offense on the field. But the defense, we've got some work to do. That's definitely the uh, – the weakness of our team at this point. We've got to be able to stop the run. We haven't been able to show, we haven't shown that we can do that outside of the commanders, but I think that they're worse than we even expected. And we need to be able to apply consistent pressure with Aiden Hutchinson and Charles Harris. We've got a lean McNeil too. We've got some guys who can get after the quarterback and we need to be able to at least get them like once or twice a game for sacks. Those are big plays. So, so important. That's why they get paid the big bucks on the edge. But let's move on. Enough about the recap. Let's hand out some awards here. We got our game ball and our burning bag of dog shit to hand out. I'll kick it off here. Talked about it before, but Jared Goff, best game I've seen out of him so far this season. No doubt, game ball. Very efficient. Box score doesn't really show how well he did. He made some good moves escaping pressure, and he really put the team on his back despite injuries to Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown. He was feeding everybody. And then Jeff Okuda, three games in a row, he has stymied the opposing receiver. Last week it was Terry McLaurin. This week it's Justin Jefferson. Sure, he had some help over the top, but he is fitting the bill so far. I love what I'm seeing out of the guy. He's physical in the run game. He can lock down your best receiver. 
if he can do that game in, game out for the rest of the season, the rest of his career, he's going to be something special. My game ball is definitely going to Jay Will. His yards per carry wasn't that high, but still he had 87 yards on 20 carries. That means he's at least reliable by getting the ball and getting the end zone twice is huge, especially for the RB2 on the team. Um, and then my burning bag of dog shit is definitely for the fans. Um, once again, I touched on it earlier, just absolutely delusional. One win against Putin's commies, and you think they're the second coming of Jesus that barely beat them by, what, 11 points, and now all of a sudden they're the best team ever. Just be realistic, Lions fans. You're a dick. <laughs> Go ahead, John. Who are you giving it to? So uh, my game ball, I was going to give out to Jared Goff as well, specifically for the play-action game. They are averaging two more yards per attempt on play-action passes than other passes, and uh, that was, like I said, really kind of his bread and butter in L.A. Uh, With Swift out there, they can really make people have to respect the run, and he can actually get a little bit more time because Jared Goff doesn't tend to do too great in the face of pressure, though I did see him slip scoot little scoot little boot scoot out to the left there uh and and got around a would-be tackler once so which i had not seen out of him so i was pretty happy about that my game ball for defense definitely would go to uh malcolm rodriguez because outside of okuda really he was the most consistent player we had out there yesterday and uh it's just really nice to see a six-round rookie playing so well right off the bat Yep, I agree. Rodrigo had himself a hell of a game. Arrows are pointing up. Stonks up. Jared Goff, Malcolm, Okuda. Love to see it. Let's get to the burning bag of dog shit. I'm genuinely considering mailing my own shit in a bag to these players after yesterday. That was absolutely pathetic, both of these guys. And I already talked about it. I alluded to Amani Awari. I'll start with him. Six PIs. If you really want to put the blame on somebody, I would give it to him. I mean, he was trusted to guard Adam Thielen, and I mentioned it last week that he's no slouch. You can't shy away from Adam Thielen. I mean, he's still he's still producing. And I mean, he's a good red zone threat. And the way that our game plan was schemed around Justin Jefferson, we trusted him to handle that duty, and he just flopped. Thielen was wide open in the end zone on that one touchdown. It was pathetic. Yeah. After one or two pass interference calls, you got to keep your hands off the guy. And I didn't like him against the the Eagles either. I mean, he he was the one who was guarding A.J. Brown, and he had a big game. And then last week, he was hurt. So he's 0 for 2 so far. Two bad games for Amani Awari to start the season. I think he'll bounce back. In the past, he's shown that he can be trusted in situations like this, but just a bad game for the guy. And then Austin Seibert, you piece of shit. Missing two field goals. You get paid probably a million dollars a year to do nothing but kick footballs, you miss a 48-yarder and a 53-yarder. I'll tell you who would never have done that, and it's Matt fucking Prater. Matt and fucking th- Nope, never would have missed those. And I think that was Brad Holmes' biggest mistake so far. I love what he's done so far in Detroit, but we should never have let Prater go. I still don't understand why we did it. Prater was so good for us. And I don't care if you're rebuilding and retooling or whatever you want to call it. You always need a good kicker. And there's only a few of those guys in the league. Matt Prater is one of them. It sucks that we lost him. We got to find somebody else other than Austin Seibert. And I have a few candidates for you. Rodrigo Blankenship. We don't need another Rodrigo on the team, but he was cut by the Colts. He was a promising younger kicker. But if we want to go with a, a vet, 
There's Dan Bailey. He's only 33. He had some solid years there. But the main guy that I want to talk about, and this is a little out of the box here, but stay with me. His name is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Oh Have you heard God. of him? <laughs> he is the Zlatan. He is a soccer player, a European football player. He's 40 years old at the moment, but he has a hell of a leg on him. And I used to play some FIFA with him, and he would have some absolute rippers for me. I think he's playing in the MLS right now, so he's already got his U.S. work visa sorted out. Don't you worry. I already looked it up. He's on a one-year contract with AC Milan. I believe he started out there. I was kind of a fan once he went to PSG, but he played for the Galaxy for a while, so he's used to America. Taylor Decker and Jack Fox already follow him on Twitter, so got some camaraderie with the team already. (laughs) And I went ahead and did a little recruiting for the Lions today. I sent him a DM on Instagram. Would you like to hear it? You know, I would. Here it goes. Dear Zlatan, I hope this message finds you well. I come in peace from America. I first, be- <laughs> I first became a fan of yours playing FIFA in college. I scored some pretty epic screamers off your right leg, which resulted in several broken Xbox controllers due to my roommate's frustration. I come to you today to humbly ask for you to consider a challenge unlike any you have faced in your impeccable career. That challenge is to join the Detroit Lions and bring them their first Super Bowl championship. A tough task indeed, but I can think of none other that can help me accomplish my lifelong goal of witnessing the Lions hoist the Lombardi trophy at the end of the year. The ball is in your court, your move. I'd just like him to come to town so he can do what he did with the Galaxy and take out a full-page ad in the paper that just says, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I bet you he could hit like a 70-yard field goal, no joke. He's got a hell of a leg. Sure, he's 40 years old, but... I don't know. We'll see. I know I don't have that online clout just yet, but you should just keep hitting up uh, professional soccer players until one responds. Maybe we can get like a low level guy on the Columbus crew or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I might need to do some recruiting. All right, John, you got a burning bag. My burning bag definitely goes to Dan Campbell. Uh, Yes. For the field goal choice, but also for his clock management on the Lions last drive just not running the clock down to the end of the play clock on five straight plays. They snapped the ball with over 10 seconds remaining on the play clock. So they uh, basically left 50 seconds of time on the board there. Campbell said he wanted to keep his offense in rhythm, but they clearly had no rhythm at that point. They clearly had no rhythm at that point. So uh, I just really didn't agree with, his clock management there. Uh, and also putting the game in the hands of uh, Seabert, Seibert, the Seabird, whatever the hell his name is. We can't even agree how to say his name. And I don't care enough to look it up because he's not going to be on the roster in a few weeks. So uh, I just did not like a lot of his end of game decisions there. And uh, that's going to get him a bag of shit from me. A steamy pile of shit. I've been eating a lot of Thai food lately. So spicy. You gonna send him a care package? I'm, I'm gonna send him some hot snakes. <laughs> nice well, Detroit we gotta, hot snake. We gotta keep Dan Campbell around. I think that uh, Siebert he can get the the burning bag. I won't send it to Amani's house actually, but Siebert, I don't give a fuck about him. Pack your bags. Zlatan's coming to town. You're gone, boy. Maybe we could construct him a suitcase out of our shit and send that to him. <laughs> Freeze it, maybe. Experiment with some dry ice. 
Well, I I'll mean, I'll send it to you. Some... You put it together. I'm not touching that. You go ahead. Dung beetles do some pretty incredible things, man. I think we could learn a lot from them. There's probably someone on Fiverr for you to find. <laughs> yep, that's your homework. You want to keep coming back, Charette? You got to get that shit suitcase ready to we go. Need to, we need to see a mock up, uh, an assembly process. <laughs> All right, I'll yep. get the plans to you guys by Thursday. Yep, we got to be ready to go out to market by next week. So get on there. <laughs> The belly and the fish shit bag. Come on down. $13.95. Made with John's poop. Straight out of his tie butthole. Sharks, today I bring to you a process which uh, not many have mastered. Some would say none. But <laughs> Everybody would say none. I, I'm running low on shit, guys. I can only produce so much. What I need is a production ramp-up facility. So I'll offer you. We can help you with the supply. Austin Siebert has the demand. <laughs> Anyways, that's enough talk. I'm ready to put this game in the rearview mirror. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of talking about it. Should have had it won. It's over. We're on to next week. We've got the Seahawks coming to Detroit Sunday, October 2nd, 1 p.m. You are not going to want to miss it. This week, the Falcons beat the Seahawks 27 to 23 in Seattle. And I think that was your uh, survivor risky pick too, Ben. So good call. Damn on that. right it was. I affirmed you. It was a good pick for sure. The Falcons handled the 12s. They're looking good, but spread this morning was minus six and a half. I I mean, I can't even remember the last time we were six and a half point favorites. It must have been years because, I mean, against the Commanders, it was 24 games or something. So it's nice to see us finally be a heavy favorite. But at the same time, I do prefer to be the underdog. But we've got that home field advantage. We're going against Geno fucking Smith. Who gives a shit? He's played all right so far, but I don't think that the box score paints the whole picture of how he's performed this year. He's going to fall back into the same old Geno ways, whether it's just getting punched in the face by a teammate and missing the whole season, moving around as a backup. I'm writing him off, and he doesn't need to write me back. If we can't handle Geno Smith, we've got a lot of other problems on our hands. Their running game, that's kind of what Pete Carroll wanted to ship Russell Wilson off. They got sick of the let Russ cook narrative, and so they want to get back to that ground-and-pound style that defined the Legion of Boom. They got Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker, who aren't really popping off the way you would expect, but the Seahawks are in a rebuilding year. I'm hoping that Kenneth Walker does pop off because I do have tickets to go to this game. I'm going to be going with my good buddy and his nephew. We're going to be watching uh, it's a 10-year-old kid, and he's a big Kenneth Walker fan. We all love Kenneth Walker, so I wouldn't mind to see him score a touchdown or two as long as they're not cutting it too close to that spread. I'm fine with that. You're trying to make Jim Bob Cooter cry or Jimmy Bob Cooter, whatever you're nicknaming him? I, I mean, <laughs> cry I, I your eyes out, kid. Yeah, no, that's fine. I would dance on his grave if the Lions got the win. Whatever. <laughs> I just want to know kid. I want to know the over-under on times you tell that 10-year-old kid to go fuck himself if the Seahawks are winning and you're drunk by the third quarter. Believe it or not, I can withhold from telling a 10-year-old child to go fuck themselves. You're not going to hit him with the Eric Stark? That could be no. a good... Uh, that could be a good... What the hell is it called? How bad do you want it? <laughs> what? Killing a 10-year-old? Would you just berate a 10-year-old child for a Lions Super Bowl? That's an easy one. Yes, We're not giving him that one. one. We'll get to the segment later. But, yep, that'll be a fun game to see. I, I had this kind of circled at the beginning of the season as one as I wa- that I wanted to go to just because I wanted to see how Kenneth Walker does in Seattle. And also, it's, a, it's nice to be the favorite, too. So it should be a good win. 
But the toughest matchup I think of the the day is going to come against DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I say we throw a Kuda on DK and just roll the dice with Amani Awari and hope that he does a little bit better. Geno Smith has been known to take some shots. He's been a little bit more efficient this year, but he's been known to turn the ball over too, whether that's on fumbles or interceptions. Tight ends have also been a big target for Geno lately. They've got Noah Fant, Will Disley, Colby Parkinson. I think they all have a touchdown apiece, but they're getting fed quite a bit um, along with Lockett and DK. And their defense is pretty middle of the road. They've got Jordan Brooks. And it's going to be a homecoming for Quandre Diggs, too. Those are kind of the stars of the show on that defense. Overall, I think they're kind of middle of the pack, maybe a little below average. They've got a decent D-line and linebacker crew, but I think that we can expose them through the air. Without Swift, we're going to have to. We're going to need Jamal Williams to pound between the tackles, open up that play-action pass. I think it's going to be a pretty balanced run-pass game plan going into it. Um, and if we can keep them under 20 points, I think we'll get the win. The Seahawks aren't putting up points all over the place. They haven't had the best tests so far. But if the defense struggles against this offense, then I'm going to be slapping the panic button because we have big problems if we cannot stop the Geno Smith-led Seahawks. Geno Smith has been playing pretty good. He didn't uh, do so much in week two, but weeks one and three, he played uh, fairly all right. He had over 300 yards passing. After uh, Russ Willie left town, we thought that uh, DK and Lockett would be afterthoughts and wouldn't be really producing as fancy players, and they're still putting up yards. So I think it's going to be tough with everybody but Okuda not able to guard their receivers. So um, we'll see how it goes, but uh, I think that's a mighty big spread. But believe it or not, Geno Smith is actually beating Russell Wilson in terms of fantasy right now. He's rated higher. So the Seahawks got the better end of that deal for sure. I think Russ Wilson sucks. He's not looked good on the Broncos. He's gotten booed two weeks in a row by the home crowd. Hmm. I'm not liking it, but he's also old as shit. Well, so is Geno. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. if we go by the boo metric, Geno's got him. Let's get to predictions guys. I'll start her off here. We're getting a Lions win, and we're getting a Lions cover. Lions 24, Seahawks 17, book it. It's a done deal, locked in, game over. I think we're taking a step back. It's going to be a little bit more of a low-scoring game. I'm going to go Seahawks 17, Lions 13. I'm just a little bit worried about DK and Lockett with uh, Tracy Walker out, but I'm thinking Lions are probably going to be kept alive by their offense. If they can get any sort of running game with Jamal Williams, I'd say Lions 24, Seahawks 13. Wait, Ben, did you have Seahawks 17, Lions 13? You're damn right I did. So you think we're going to lose this game? Yeah. Whatever, dude. Son of a bitch. (laughs) There's no saving you. Probably not. You're a sinner, and Jared Goff is going to make you repent in one week. I'm taking receipts. You are talking to the man who still will not admit that Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback, so. Nope, dust. <laughs> well, you can keep squatting on those hot takes all you want. Detroit's going to prove you wrong. We're going to be two and two, moving into week five against uh, dead Mac Jones. Let's talk some Survivor League, Ben. Ooh, what did we had last week. Let's in see. another turn of events, I think we had 13 to start the week, and we had six people take the Chargers. I apologize. Five people take the Chargers, and one person took the Chiefs. So we are down to the final seven in the survivor pool. Um, just a battering year. We went from 56 to six in three weeks. A lot of wrong picks out there. Um, it's definitely tough each year at the beginning, but you know what? Not a lot of people made it. 
Um, last week, Corbin and I both had the Eagles, which were safe. Um, Corbin also had the Texans as the risky pick, and they did not win. I took the Falcons as a risky pick, and they did pull it out. Um, Corbin, who are you liking this week? Well, I'm going to stick with my guns. I'm going with the homegrown team, the Detroit Lions. Lock it in. There's might not be too many other opportunities, but I think this is the safest game that we've got all season. Uh, for me, the safe pick, I think it's got to be the Packers. I know the spread was ridiculous, but no Mac Jones. Who the hell knows with Billy Zapp? Go with the Pack. John, what are you thinking? I'm going to stick to my guns as well, taking the Eagles over the Jags. I think they just keep on rolling, get to 4-0. That could be a risky pick in itself, John. Every pick's a risky pick. True that. Talk to the other 50 people in the Survivor League. Uh, For my risky pick, I'm going to go with the Raiders getting their first win of the year over the Denver Broncos. And for my risky pick, I'm going to take the Cardinals at Panthers. Sure, they're on the road, but I don't know why they are dogs in this game. I like the Cardinals. I think that they just have a better team overall, and I think that they'll get a win on the road. My risky pick, I'm going with the Chiefs over the Bucks, two and a half point spread, but I think the Chiefs are going to easily take the W here over Tom Brady and his failing offense. All right, that's going to wrap it up for our Survivor League. Let's move on to the the juicy stuff here. We got some segments planned for you. Got a nice one to loop John in here, break the ice a little bit. And then we got bowels of the belly, which we'll turn it over to Ben here. He can just go on his own little tangent, going on a little rant like he did with a nickname origin story about whatever he sees fit. Could be something from last week, could be something from his college days, but I just want to take a deep look into that dark past that you got going on under those flaps. What do you got for us this week, Bill? Well, this one, um, I have some other ones planned for later in the series that are pretty good. So we're going to go with a shorter one today. So at the last company I worked for, um, I, I worked for a construction company, so it's pretty male dominated. And on the fourth floor, um, we have, of all the floors, there's probably the biggest female presence there. So after lunch, whenever I had to take a mean heater coming out of my bunghole, I would always go down to the third floor to do my number two. So I sneak in there after lunch. Nobody's in there. I'm like, yes, I can really make an orchestra happen today. I go down there. It was after a rough weekend. There's probably some just battery acid coming out of me. Just nothing good stinking up the whole joint. So I'm in the stall and I hear someone walk into the urinal next to me, not knowing who it might be. Maybe someone saw my shoes. They recognized them. And all of a sudden I hear him go, hey, what's going on, Ben? And all of a sudden I just go, yo, ho. And nobody responds. And I am just absolutely confused as to what's going on. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm like lost. Cause I'm like, why, why would someone say hi and then not respond to me? So after I give out my big Yelp, uh, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take my time before I walk out of the bathroom, probably like three or four more minutes go by. As I finish my business, I walk outside and lo and behold, the ex-CEO of the company also has his name, Ben. And it turns out that someone was saying hello to him and not me. And so I was, I was, uh, I just, I just walked right down the steps and went right into the cafeteria just to like put some time between me and getting back to my desk. So he didn't know where I sat. So that's just the quick little bottles of the belly story. Um, and as a sidebar, I no longer work for that company for reasons unrelated to that story. Oh, you followed suit with the old bowels of the belly. You took yeah. that to heart, didn't you? 
very bowel. Oh, there's definitely more to come. <laughs> oh my god, man! Was that in a female stall? No, no, no. Just the third floor. Um, there was less uh, female presence on that floor, so I figured the walls wouldn't come into factor in terms of sound uh, going through the wall because I knew it was going to be decibel-ridden shit. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, I took my first shit in the women's bathroom at an Indian restaurant a couple of months ago. I was in Grand Rapids, and I was out with my girlfriend and her sister, and it was very, it was lunch, so it was very quiet, but I really needed to go, and like immediately. It was urgent. And so I go to the men's bathroom and there's only one stall and one urinal, but I, this guy is just on his phone. And so I'm just sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. And he's just not coming out. I sit there for 10 minutes. And so I was like, this needs to go right now. So I go over to the women's bathroom for the first time. I go sit down, do my business and I'm about to wipe and get out of there. And all of a sudden I just hear the door open and I just hear, hear the heels clacking and a girl just comes and sits next to me in the stall. And I, Female piss is just, it just hits the bowl differently than how a guy would. You just, <laughs> you just hear that. And I'm like, oh my fucking God. Like, do I just text my girlfriend right now and have her come and like rescue me somehow? But didn't do it, waited it out. Finally, I just wait for a couple of minutes and I just quick scoot out of there. And so I go outside and I wait at the men's bathroom. And finally, I see this employee come out of the men's bathroom. So this guy, is just tinkering around on his phone for a half hour, just trying to get a free break in. While meanwhile, I'm just dying. Went into the men's bathroom to wash my hands. By the way, I didn't just go back all filthy handed. That was my. Well, and it was and it was an Indian restaurant at lunch, which means it was an all you can eat buffet. So you just piled your word hole full full of curry before that. Yep. Nice. That must Not have a good idea. Your, uh, your butt was ready to clear out the old and in with the new, which probably was even worse when you got home later. Well, you need one more stall at an Indian restaurant. So that's just yep. kind of. They only have one? Yep. One stall Improper for the men's bathroom. On their part. Exactly. Nope. I'm not taking the blame for that. They should have known Ooh. it was happening. And the waiter even came back like, do you feel okay? And I'm just like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he knew you pooped? Yeah, because I was in there just dying for like 15 minutes and I was just waiting. And we were all done eating. So we were just waiting on the bill. I love that he directly acknowledged what you did. Yep. Yep. Are you feeling okay? And I was just like, and you hey, should have said, no, man, today. it was a shy one. <laughs> we just had to clean up shit at work yesterday from some little girl. That was a lot of fun. Don't you work at a bar? What do you mean a little girl? Well, it's a, it's a place where parents can bring their kids. So <laughs> a six, seven year old kid, it's an outdoor bar. We have cornhole and whatnot. So kids just dug a dump on your floor. Well, they took a dump somewhere. There was shit all over the floor, all, all over the bathroom. We clean it up, eventually go out to address it with the woman. She claims, oh, someone puked in your bathroom. My bar manager said, ma'am, I've been a bartender for 10 years. I know the difference between puke and shit. <laughs> Did you just Fast give her like a doggy bag to clean it up or something? No, we clean it up. Fast <laughs> forward, she gave us a one-star review on Google. What a bitch. <laughs> yeah. What did it say? That we seemed annoyed that her group came in and didn't want to order food. Yeah, this is that's why. With eight people that purchased one beer total for their entire group and then stayed there for two hours, got shit on our bathroom, and then decided, yeah, one star. Yeah. We need to start being able to leave reviews for customers, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. we filed a response. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
hello, Karen, your daughter shit on our floor. It wasn't about the one beer that you paid for. It's actually just you being a shitty person. That's more or less what it was, Corbin. <laughs> I would love to sign on to Google reviews and see that. We'll get to this next segment here. So coming up with this podcast, there was a little bit of a creative process behind it. And the biggest question was, what were we going to name the thing? And I had plenty of different ideas, pretty much all me coming up with these. Belly didn't really help me on the creative aspect of creating this show. Eventually, we settled on Belly and the Fish because that intro was just too perfect. But I thought there were some diamonds in the rough here. And John, I want to read them off to you and get your thoughts. Tell me which one you think is best and which one you think is worse. And there are some kind of corny ones. Again, this was just kind of like a brainstorming session by myself. So I understand that I wouldn't actually name the podcast one of these, but just let me know what you think. First one on the docket, we got Detroit Diesel. Next up, Mission Impossible, Detroit Lions Super Bowl champions. Still corny. Yep. Same old Lions. I like it. Like it. Just too overused. Sons of Simba. Ooh, okay. Now we're getting into some nice imagery. We're really creating story. I switched the order a little bit, gave you some of the bad ones to break you into it. But yeah, Sons of Simba, that was definitely one of the front runners. Our cover art was going to be Corbin trying to pick me up with a mane on, and uh, we decided we want to save his back. (laughs) I also made one of us just riding Harley Davidson bikes down a highway, kind of like Sons of Anarchy. I like the main one, but I think we're going to wait for the the belly to be reduced down to maybe like a a six-pack. No, I'm not lifting that. I don't know when that'll happen, man. (laughs) It won't. Probably not. Spoiler alert. Next one, Detroit Honolulu High. Okay. Kind of like Rocky okay. Mountain High, you know, whatever. So you were going for a, a song pun, really. Was what? A little bit, yeah. Okay. Here's one, the main event. Main spelled like a lion's mane. Mm. I like it. A little niche. Yeah. We're going to get into some good ones in a second. Here. That could just be a beard podcast, though. <laughs> yeah, well... I have the beard. You're working on yours. Yeah, you got a little scruff. Yeah, it's just from laziness, not from actively trying to grow one. All right, next one. Make me roar. Like Katy <laughs> Perry. I'm a big fan of that one. It's like make me randy, baby, but yeah. and kind of make me roar, <laughs> Katy Perry. That's kind of what I was going. I for, didn't but... get that connection. Yeah, I just well... want to say, uh, you know, about the name you did pick. I've seen Elton John twice. You could just go up against him. You know, if he stops touring Corbin, you might want to look into replacing him. No, I can't hit those high notes too well. Although I did sound pretty good. I'm not going to lie, uh, singing the Corn Kids song last week. but You no. might be able to hit the high notes after this next uh, How Bad Do You Want It, but carry on. <laughs> it right, did make me roar. Okay, here's one. Restore the roar. That's just kind of a, a known saying. So I like it. Classic lion saying. Um, I, I think it's uh, maybe a little serious. Yep, agreed. Here's one. Honey Blue Blue. <laughs> I fucking love it. <laughs> Hold you, you Corbin. <laughs> Do you get it? <laughs> yeah, Honolulu Blue. Yeah, but like Honey Boo Boo, but Honey Blue Blue. Oh, no. Okay, <laughs> that's even better. <laughs> so, honestly, that one, Ben and I both said, yep, that's perfect. That one's That one's awesome. 
And then I just ran it by a couple of friends and they're like, dude, that is the dumbest name that you could possibly think of. Like, absolutely not. That is stupid. I'm not going to listen to it if your name is Honey Blue Blue. And I'm like, dude, but it's Honolulu Blue, Honey Blue Blue. It's funny. Nope, they were not having it. Pussies. But that was definitely one of my favorites. Then we got Motown Mains. Old Detroit theme. Okay. I'm not a big fan of that one. I'm not going to lie. No. Like I said, there's some stinkers in here, but just brainstorming. Next one, Pride Rock Pod. Pride Rock Pod. Okay. Because we're the pride. Yeah. And Pride Pride Rock Rock is in Lion Lion King. King. Yeah. Dude, I'm... This is you've never seen a Disney so movie, bad. or I like barely fucking remember Lion King. What? Oh my god! What is wrong with you? I actually it's saw a... the play too. You probably but... don't even know who voiced uh, Mufasa. Yeah, okay, the last the last time I saw the play was off a thousand milligrams of edibles. So you know, <laughs> have a little. <laughs> How are you awake now? <laughs> <laughs> it gave me bad restless leg syndrome during the show. <laughs> I was just fidgeting <laughs> so bad. No shit. <laughs> supposed to calm you down yeah a thousand milligrams does not you well, took you need a to thousand get milligrams yeah, two 500 milligram cup uh peanut butter cups they make them I, I feel like if i've ever taken one i'm on my ass after like 10 milligrams what are you training for pot fest jesus christ if they call my number i'll be there ben well, you need to get yourself you need to get yourself some Disney Plus and tune into The Lion King because that is an American classic and you're missing out. And then you would understand the reference. Same with Sums with Simba. You like that? Well, you get that reference. Simba is a name that I recognized. I'll admit. All right. Anyways, Silver and Blue are due. Silver and Blue are due. I like it, but we're shortening the the lifespan of the podcast because <laughs> Maybe two years before we got that Super Bowl. So yeah, but we could be due for another and another and another. We're always due. So for the next one, give me the D. <laughs> I like it. I think it has a lot of crossover appeal. Uh, we might get some unexpecting fans. Untapped but markets. I think with the chemistry you got going here, you know, we're gonna keep that market at least over fifty percent of them. So. I'm about to tell you my favorite one of all, and this is definitely, it would take a lot of work to get it done, but I think that this would have really put us over the top. And that would be legally changing my name to Dan Campbell and naming the podcast, the Dan Campbell show. (laughs) By far the best option. Uh, You know, I've, I've been through the process with my wife two times now because she changed her name before we got married. And then after you're just going to need to put a uh, newspaper article out there stating your intention to rename yourself as Dan Campbell. Take that to a judge. Fill out the forms. 30 days or so, we're golden. Your wife <laughs> took out a newspaper ad to change your name? from. <laughs> it's the requirement. It, not for You don't have to do it when you get married, but if you have not been, if you're doing it like just because, you have to like. <laughs> you have to state it in the paper? Yeah, yeah the really newspaper weird. that nobody reads. Really, really weird. <laughs> I wonder what happened to make that a part of the law. It's like, oh, and so and so changed his name again. Yep, you got to go down to the courthouse, fill out a couple documents, pay a hundred dollar fee, and then go to your local tribune and make sure they clear it. (laughs) (laughs) John's wife shows up and she's like, "God damn it, you're here again." (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll go down to the Grand Haven Tribune. We'll talk to Becky Vargo. 
We'll be <laughs> you know, you know the writer. <laughs> so we're going with uh, the Dan Campbell show then. That's your favorite. Oh, definitely, definitely the Dan Campbell show. Uh, I saved the best for last. I figured, but that would have taken a real commitment, and I was not ready to do that just yet. If you want him as a guest, Corbin, you got to commit. Yeah, I think that we would get some headlines. I mean, clearly you have to put it in the paper. And you're easily going to get some <laughs> literally get at least one headline. Yeah. All right. So the Dan Campbell show, we fumbled that back, but it's all good. At least the people know that it was on our mind. All right, Ben, take it away. What you got for me this week? Corbin, how bad do you want it? Uh, currently, he's two and one. Um, I guess we're going to have to step it up a little bit. Uh, this one comes with recommendation from our good buddy, Greg. Uh, I did put a little tweak on it, but we're going to go with Corbin. You need to remove one of your testicles. You can choose which one. And at that point, your voice raises very high. And you talk like this every time you're on the podcast trying to get the games right. And then um, you you are allowed to freeze some of your sperm in case you want to have children down the road. You also, um, every time you come, you only feel 25% of what you did from the first time. Holy shit. Damn, you are making, you stepped it up for sure. Shout out, Greg. That was a good one. Well, I do think that I already kind of sound like that a little bit when I'm editing. It's just like when you hear yourself on the phone or like in a video, you're just like, I actually sound like that. What the fuck? The answer is definitely yes. The voice thing is the one that almost puts it over the top to make me say no, but I've already said, I've been on record saying that I would give a testicle for the Lions any day. It's not even both. And I get to freeze my sperm so I can still have a child. Hell yes, I'm doing that. But the worst... you, you, your voice has changed for the rest of your life. It'll be like, oh, do you take this woman to be your wife? And it'll be like, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the one thing that would uh, probably put over the top. The when you finally I mean, do have this kid, like, he's going to think oh, his dad's a little bitch. Oh, baby, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, I could get a prosthetic to replace that, but only feeling 25%. I mean. Oh, and then you can get a Darth Vader mask to lower your voice. On the Well, yeah, exactly. You could get like a voice box or something. There was one time when I was a kid, I went to a garage sale. And it was like this old guy's garage sale. And he just has these boxes of pornos. And it's the first time I'd seen like a Playboy. So I'm just like <laughs> looking through. And all of a sudden, this guy behind me goes, hey, what are you doing over there? And I'm just like, what the fuck? Look back and this old guy's just watching me like look at these porno mags at his garage sale. So, I mean, I could probably live with that. And then on the plus side, if I can only feel 25%, does that just mean I could last longer? I mean, do you really want to last like a long time and it's just not going to feel that good? The payoff's going to be shitty. I think I could sacrifice it, honestly. <laughs> I think you Probably might be, be single happy. afterwards, yeah. but. <laughs> oh, no, he's going to go from one pump to four pump, four times as many. <laughs> Sign him yeah. up. And then feel yeah. a quarter of the feeling. <laughs> Some of us are pleasers, Ben. Thing is, I'm not going to live forever, but a Lion Super Bowl that will live forever. So I'm willing to make that sacrifice for a guaranteed Super Bowl to be able to watch that. That's something I'm going to live with for the rest of my life. It's not like it's really that debilitating to the point that my life is just going to suck. <laughs> well, I'll take it. Bring it. That was All definitely right, an guess, improvement. Uh, I guess I got to go just like morbidly dark, Corbin. You're putting me in a tough spot for next week, but all right. Oh, well, it sounds like you already got something in mind then, huh? I did. I, I gave you the layup. <laughs> All right, I got one for you real quick. No, no, no. no Only this one will be on the record. Well, it, it's just to get it on the record. Would you get in a 
public fight with a 10-year-old at the stadium and go to jail for assaulting a minor four line super bowl how long would i be in jail however long well, i believe that's a felony <laughs> and this goes on the and record this is, and this is your friend's nephew by the way so i have to fight jimmy at the you game to fight your friend's <laughs> nephew. <laughs> yeah i guess assaulting and going to jail like if i wouldn't go to jail then yeah i would do it Kid. But if I'm going to jail for years, then no. Nah, I don't think I would do that one. I'm not even gonna enjoy it. You probably can't even watch the Super Bowl in prison. So it's it's the, the legal implications, not the moral implications. Yes, definitely. Well, Jimmy, hit up the freezer and grab some mold meat because you're gonna need something for that black eye. Yeah, I don't think that he would uh understand it at the time, but you know, give him eight to ten years and I think he'll come around. Forgive me. It's for the greater good. Just buy him I a, don't know if it is. <laughs> buy him a Lions jersey after. He'll be okay. All right. So we'll move it to three and two then because I would not assault a minor and go to jail for that. So I'll take three and two. I'm still, uh, I still got the winning record. So I'll accept it. But Ben, you got some thinking to do. Charette, you just came up with one on the spot and you had it no problem. Good job. I just, I, I have stuff, but I just, I don't think I'm comfortable saying it on air. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to get smart. Think it over. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this one, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Again, appreciate it. People just keep reaching out, telling me we're doing a good job. And the feedback has been great. We love to hear it. Please don't forget to follow, subscribe, download on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other major platforms. Please leave us a review. Uh, follow me on Twitter at LightCorbyashi. Thinking about getting a more simple handle because I have gotten zero follows so far <laughs> from putting this out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's L-I-K-E-C-O-R-B-Y-A-S-H-I. Just DM me some ideas if you have any cool segments uh, that you have in mind that you would like to hear. Continue to spread the, spread the word to family, friends, coworkers, and anyone and everyone that you can think about. We really do appreciate the love and support. Yeah, we want to thank uh, John for coming today, being our second co-host. Uh, we really appreciate it, John. Yeah, we're still moving forward, still trying to get better. So as always, any feedback is good feedback for us any other segments you think of. We love the way that this has turned out so far and we enjoy doing it. So we can't wait to bring you some more entertainment in weeks to come. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm already looking forward to coming back and talking more shit to Ben. <laughs> yep, we plan to get some more guests on in the coming weeks, but we're hoping to get John in that rotation. I think that he did a great job. He's It's nice to have somebody else to gang up on Ben with, someone not so negative, someone who's not such a floppy little fan. But we're excited for what's to come. And with that said, good job, guys. I didn't know that we were doing that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>